Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the conversation. This is uh, an interesting topic today, and frankly, I didn't know I was going to talk about this, and many times I'm intrigued at when a topic comes up, or the, 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 the communication, the intuitive guidance. There's, it's usually, for me, it's a voice in the back of my head on the left side, and it has a different quality than my typical ramblings in my head, but I, I can't get this out of my, my head to talk about. I don't know exactly where this is going to end up, but I'm going to begin the conversation saying or telling you that, uh, and I get that this is going to sound a little bit like bragging, but I, I think there's a point to this, but I know how a car works. I know a lot about cars. I've been reading about cars, studying cars ever since I was in high school. Now, I'm not necessarily a gearhead, but I've been known to get my fingers dirty with grease. And it's taken several days to scrub the grease and gasoline smell off my hands. I'm not afraid at working on a car. And many times I can troubleshoot a car and tell you exactly what's wrong with it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself a mechanic by any stretch of the, the imagination. But what gets me is that many of you have no idea how a car works. The, you, you don't even really know what's under the hood or why a car moves forward. Or when you put it in the gear, why it moves forward. Or the different gear <laughs> ratios between first and second, third and fifth and sixth. Or what the, the value of a six-speed transmission is. And the thing that I find especially fascinating is the fact that I know all that. It seems like valuable information to me. Yet, many people get from point A to point B not knowing any of that stuff. And it doesn't bother them in not knowing not in the least. Something else I know a lot about is the, the body, the human body. Now, this is something that's always intrigued me. It's one of those things that I have always known from, I think, the time I was 13, when we were first introduced to the body and biology in school. I knew it. It was one of those things that I knew without knowing how I knew it. I knew about digestion. I knew about the process, how, how the whole process works and the interplay of nutrients and how it feeds the brain and how the cells utilize it in regeneration and replication. I knew how the body defended itself against invaders, the immune system, how that worked, how, where the breakdown was. I just understood it. And what, I, what, what blows my mind is a lot of people have no idea about their body. Now, get this, I'm a man, yet I know all about the menstrual cycle. I know about what goes on in the body, the changes in hormones. A lot of women don't know that. And many, many more men have no idea what goes on. And, and this even blows my mind even more. You don't care. Like, it doesn't bother you that you don't know. The part that bothers me, though, about that is in when you don't have a working knowledge of your body and how the immune system works, how stress affects you, how fear affects the biochemistry in the body, how it clouds the mind, 
how it actually dumbs down your intellect, makes, makes a certain amount of intelligence unavailable to you. That's what the power of feeling good, good biochemistry or feeling good biochemistry where neurotransmitters like endorphins and serotonin, dopamine, those feel good chemicals. Those are produced in your body. And they're made available to you just by picking up your phone and looking at it. You get a little dopamine hit, a little drug hit. And that's the addicting part of that. See, I understand all that, but a lot of people don't. They, know, they, they don't know how to replace that dopamine, how to do other things to get that dopamine hit or that supply or to mediate it with serotonin, which people take drugs for. You see, the thing, my point is, I guess, in this, when you don't know, you're you're susceptible to experts, quote unquote, other people's opinions, other people telling you what you should do in lieu of your own expertise or your own inner authority. My goal is that I want you, each and every person on the planet or the that listens to me, be able to rely on your own inner authority, your own inner guidance, your intuition, your own inner knowledge. And if I have to rely on somebody else to inform me, which I sometimes do, but it bothers me. It bothers me when I don't know something. It's, I'm compelled to find out. If a question comes up during a movie or something, I'm on my phone checking it out. I'm using Google. And sometimes I, we have a, a Google in the home. And so I'll say, hey, Google, and I'll ask the question. And to be truthful, that aspect of my personality really used to bug my wife. Now, a question comes up. She's Googling it. She's finding out. She has to know. But I have to tell you, from anything that I learn, any new thing that I learn, it just informs me that there's so much more that I don't know than I do know. And I know a lot. You see, I told you that this was going to sound like me bragging. But it's really not. It's me questioning you. Why is it you don't know the things that you should know or could know? Where in your life are you leaning on experts outside opinion? And I have to tell you, even though, let's say, a doctor gets a medical degree, they set up a practice so they can practice medicine. They don't have it down yet. They learn as they go. And I've talked to, I have friends that are doctors. They hate the internet. They hate Google. Because now, when they make a diagnosis, their patients go out and they start Googling everything that they can on this one aspect. And very often, they come back often knowing more than the doctor does about that one diagnosis, that one aspect. Because, you know, a general practitioner is supposed to know everything about the body, and you can't know everything about the body. It is a complex, dynamic system, yet... In the face of not knowing a doctor, many of the medical establishment will tell you that they know this is the truth. Most often, it's their best guess. So what's the point of this? The point is that you need a certain amount of knowledge, a certain amount of working knowledge about the world in order to have discernment, in order to know whether or not you should even question something. The Buddha said, question everything. And I lean in that direction. Question everything. Question the source. Question, is it relevant for you? Does it work for you? It's not a one-size-fits-all world. 
So you really have to discern whether or not something, an idea, a concept, this podcast, is appropriate for you. Your intuition, more often than not, is like your spidey sense to pay attention. You know, something here begs a deeper question. Something's amiss. Something's off. You have that. It's inborn. It's part of who you are. It's part of your experience of being human. Most people, and you know, I hate to say most, but it's true, society has conditioned it out of you, conditioned listening to your intuition, conditioned it out of you know, the, the conversation. It's considered magical thinking. Yet, if you were to ask 100 CEOs how often they use their intuition, a hunch, a, an impulse, in lieu of, like instead of rational thought, kind of bucks the trend of what they should do, and they just follow a hunch, follow their intuition, they say they do that. Yet, if you were to bring intuitive guidance up in the conversation around medicine, around science, around business, it's poo-pooed upon. And that's a word, poo-pooed upon. They, they push it aside, you know, in lieu of the facts. Let's look at the scientific model for a moment, the, the scientific process. It's a framework. It's not the truth. It's a way to process information in order to hopefully arrive at an objective, repeatable result. And sometimes you get these scientists that prove something to be true. And the scientific model is supposed to prove something false. You prove it false. If you can prove it false, then it's not true. You start out with a hypothesis, you start out with a premise, and you work to disprove it. Science hasn't been doing that lately, not by and large. And I hear people say, I trust the science. Do you really? Are you checking their work? Are you checking their processes? Are you validating their premises? I mean, if you really want to trust the science, then you should be, not just take their word for it. Because uh, some of those people have some vested interest in the answers that they're receiving or arriving at. When I hear the terms or the phrase safe and effective spouted by people that have no idea what they're saying. I've heard it in the media. I've heard it on the radio. Safe and effective. These drugs, these jabs that have been bandied about as a solution to the problem are still not approved, 100% approved. They're experimental because it has not been proven that they are safe and effective. Yet you'll hear that in the media. My spider sense goes off when I hear that. Why would that be touted across the board? What's the motivation? And why are people canceled that question it? Why? You see, it's always been my experience that when people are challenged and they try and squash you, rather than have a debate, have an, a conversation, then they're not confident in their position. So in order to win, they have to put you down, disqualify you, cancel you out of the conversation. I, I think I have to check myself for a minute because, I, frankly, I didn't know this conversation was going to go in this direction. And when, as I'm thinking about it at this moment, I realize that I saw where there, it's approved for five and under, for children, babies, to get this, uh, this antidote. And it bothers me. It bothers me because it's not proven safe and effective. It's not, 
they'll tell you that because they want they want you on board, they want you in the program, but it doesn't stop anything. It doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't make things any easier. It doesn't even keep people from getting sick when they do get sick. To me, and, and this is just my opinion, the downside is so much greater than any upside part of the conversation, any upside possibility that would arise or benefit that would arise out of going forward with a young child. There has still been no long-term studies, no generational. We don't know how this is going to affect people generationally. It's changing the body. It's changing the immune response. And I tell you, I beg you, do not take my word for it. Check it out. Do the research yourself. And, And this is part of, you know, if you don't know, and you have a question, and your life depends on it, or the life of your loved ones, really go and look at both sides of the aisle. I love talking to people that are antithetical to the way I think, because I learn so much. I'm able to actually defend, or at least know which part of my, my argument or my position, my belief, my ideas, have holes in them. Because if, if you don't know how your car works, You are at the mercy of the mechanic. You are at the mercy of the garage that you take it to. And I've had garages, people that I thought I trusted, try and take me for a ride, figuratively. They tried to charge me for more and do more work over and above what was required. I've had doctors try and prescribe drugs to me. When I used to go to doctors, they would prescribe things that I didn't really need. When I looked at the side effects in every drug you take, anything you take into your body has some type of side effect. Even food has a side effect. But for the most part, your body knows how to handle the side effects of food, the natural stuff. The man-made stuff, not so much. High fructose corn syrup, corn syrup in general. The body doesn't really know how to handle it. Why do you think we have an increase in type 2 diabetes? An increase. Why? Look at the diet. Look at how it's used in foods. And that's another thing. I was brought up growing a garden. Our entire backyard, back lot, was a garden. 30 by 100 feet. I've planted it. I've cared for it. I've weeded it. Not always joyfully. I worked in the garden my whole life as a kid. And we have a garden today. Most people have no idea where their food comes from. They have no idea how to plant something and grow it to where it produces a fruit, a vegetable, something edible. Somebody tells you your your food has been genetically modified to increase production, increase yield. Really? Uh, it's not natural. Your body really doesn't know how to handle it. It doesn't. Why are there so many allergies? I can, no one had a peanut allergy when I was a kid. Now, It's all over the place. Why? It's hard to find a peanut that has not been genetically modified. Again, I guess my message here is to arm yourself with knowledge. Know what you're dealing with. Watch your back. Question everything. Because the people in the marketplace are there to sell you on a program, on a bill of goods. Most people have something to sell. When I was a kid in school, I was taught the four basic food groups. Did you know that milk was suggested at every meal and the four basic food groups was spouted as the way to a healthy lifestyle? Yet it was not backed by science. 
It was promoted by the American Agricultural Concern, the Dairy Association, and I'm sure in one form or another it is still taught today. I mean, I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I've been in elementary school. My point is, again, when you're dependent upon external experts, external information, external feedback on whether or not something is appropriate for you or not, you are required to do your due diligence. Do you surrender your autonomy? Do you surrender your inner authority to outside sources? Where in your life are you dependent upon others to make decisions for you? And to what impact on your life do them being wrong, how, how could it go awry? What's the potential downside to your life? If it's inconsequential, then don't worry about it. You don't need to do that much research. But if it could potentially impact your health, your finances, your family's health, uh, your longevity, you know, your safety, then you owe it to yourself to, to dig a little deeper, beg a deeper question, look at both sides of the fence, make a, an intelligent choice. Just don't go the path of least resistance. And I do have to admit, it's harder and harder to get an equitable point of view. Sometimes you have to really dig because the narrative on one side can be slanted heavily in one direction. In fact, when everyone's talking about things a particular way and they're not giving a lot of credence to looking at the an opposing viewpoint or considering any alternative, then that usually tells me that there's something they don't want you to know. And when I say they, it's those people that are promoting one path or one approach. Again, like I said earlier, it is not an all-size-fits-one world. And there are always side effects. There are always adverse effects that one has to consider. Nothing is 100% safe and effective. Even some of the approaches and, and suggestions that I make on this podcast and in my coaching don't work for everybody. And that's why, from my point of view, I don't want you to follow me blindly, listen to everything, I, and take it as gospel. Question what I say. Validate what I suggest in your own experience. Live your life from your own inner signals. Be inner-directed. Be self-directed. Because it's your epic adventure. It's not mine. It is mine, but <laughs> you're part of it. But what is good for me may not be good for you. And that's a reason why I love students that take the information and they implement it in their lives. They see what kind of results they get and it doesn't work for you. Put it to the test. Put the rubber to the road. Does it get traction for you? There's a car metaphor. It's in my DNA, but I know it's not for everybody. But put another way, if you hear it, you'll probably understand it, but you won't know it to your bones unless you do it, put it into practice. For example, a lot of people have heard that gratitude will change your life. And they understand that gratitude is important, they, to be thankful for something. But until you identify three to five things every day for 30 days, and I have an extreme gratitude process that is a lot more extreme or more over the top because the benefits are so wonderful. But if you just do three to five, let's not even say every day, at the end of the week, recount seven things that you love and appreciate about the week that had just passed. 
what five to seven things do you love and appreciate about your life? Just do that once a week and just see how your attitude, your energy, your vibration changes. Do that for a month. Do it for two months. Don't even do it for the full two months. Do it for six weeks. Test it out for yourself. See what kind of impact it makes. Don't take my word for it. Don't take everybody else's word for it. Do it for six weeks. I think you'll do it the rest of your life because you want to know an interesting thing. If you do it for six weeks, just one day a week. Now, I think that if you do it more times during that, you train the brain even faster and even more deeply. But even just once a week for six weeks, you begin to train your reticular activating system to begin noticing those things that you love and appreciate in your life. You begin to change your orientation. And because you change your the things that you focus on, you begin to change your experience of life. And if you begin to change your experience of life, you begin to change who you are in relationship to reality. Everything changes. Just changing how you brush your teeth. One little habit. Start changing how you wash yourself in the shower. Instead of starting with one hand, start with the other hand. Start in a different part of your body and work backwards. By doing that, those little seemingly small habitual practices, start changing those and you start to change the rotation of the planet. Your position on the planet changes. Your perspective on reality starts to shift. We, we cannot compartmentalize our life because what we do in this area impacts every other area of our life. And I'm guessing that you're in this game to get the most out of this run, the most out of this life that's possible for you. And so I'm here with you for that purpose. Everything that I say, everything that I produce in this podcast is oriented around you getting the best out of your life that's possible, increasing your awareness, increasing your abundance, and becoming more present and living your life from inner signals. I can think of, see, when Wayne Dyer told me that, that that was the secret to life. That was the secret to getting the most out of your life, the most out of your experience, to be inner-directed, to live your life from inner signals. That's where that comes from. And when he told me that, he said, that's not even me. That's Abraham Maslow. But he said to me that became his mission to teach other people to be inner-directed. So if he handed me a torch of any kind, it's that, that I also want you to be inner-directed because I've gotten firsthand on how it opens up possibility, opens up your life, guides you like no other. Like the people in the marketplace, everyone else, they have an agenda. They want you to fit into their agenda. And sometimes it works for you, but when it doesn't, it really doesn't. And when you compromise yourself, when you compromise your values, your own sense of self, your own sense of what's right for you, then you compromise everything. And frankly, it's not worth it. So until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure, which is your life.